0: To an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and
1: enjoy this extra shot.
0: Welcome listeners, I'm Karen Peter, and this is Common Grounds, where we have conversations about the liturgical or Christian calendar here at Project Zion Podcast. So a little refresher on the liturgical calendar. Through the seasons and holy days of the liturgical calendar, we relive the story of faith, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Through each season of the calendar, we participate with our whole being through scripture and symbol and color and hymnody. And as we learn more about the calendar and as we live it as a spiritual practice, we deepen our understanding of discipleship and what it means to participate in Christian community. Now, the calendar begins four weeks before Christmas with the season of Advent And it moves through Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and ordinary time. Now, today, we're talking about Epiphany with our guest, Mike Hoffman. Mike lives in Lamoni, Iowa, where he serves as campus minister and director of religious life at Graceland University, the alma mater of many of our listeners. So welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you, Karen. Glad to be here.
0: Well, we're really, really glad to have you. I know uh, you did uh, an episode for Project Zion early on, and we're just grateful to have you back. So thank you so much. Thank you. So, Mike, we did, um, last year or the year before, we did an introductory episode about Epiphany, and we learned a little bit about what Epiphany is. But how about you review it a bit for our new listeners and for those that might not Um, have caught that episode on Project Science. So what is Epiphany?
1: So Epiphany is the celebration of the revelation of God incarnate, or Jesus, as the physical manifestation to the Gentiles. Now that sounds sort of really formal, but if we think about it, it commemorates the visit of the Magi to the Christ child. So that's that's really, I, I mean, in a nutshell, that's where it starts anyway, so.
0: So we're talking about the three wise men, which would be the colloquial way of talking about it, right? Exactly. The three wise men. We're talking about the three wise men and their camels that follow the star to find Jesus, right? Right. Most
1: Most, okay. of, us, most of us have a around sitting around yes. somewhere in our house, and we have all that. Of course, that's like everything in the whole story all crammed into one manger, so yes.
0: So, it so, is, out of, out of several parts of multiple Gospels, so we'll... Right. <laughs> So we'll unpack this a little bit. So it's about the Magi.
1: Right. At least it is now. I mean, there's okay. some historical evidence that it actually commemorated the baptism of Jesus and some mm-hmm. other events in his life. But it is it has sort of evolved, if you will, into the, the understanding of the it's the visit of the Magi to the Christ child. So that's where it sort of sort of evolved to.
0: So let's unpack that just a little mm-hmm. bit. It's the it's the Magi coming to the Christ Child. Earlier, you said it's the revelation of of revelation God of
1: God, basically incarnate to the
0: Gentiles, right? Yes, so, to
1: the Gentiles. I think I left that part out, but that's exactly right.
0: So, if so really, we go in our religious understanding, we know that Jesus um, was kind of was Jewish, right? Exactly. And so. And so, he was understood as the Messiah or the the revelation of God, if you will, to the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. So, what do you mean by the revelation of God to the Gentiles? Well,
1: so, there's evidence throughout the scripture that records the stories of Jesus about Jesus being, Jesus at least starting with manifestation to the Jews to the okay. understanding that he was coming as a the king of the Jews to the Jewish people and and witnessing to them about what god could do and there are also evidences although not a lot of them through the story of the new testament about how jesus was sort of pulled into those relationships with people who were gentiles who were uh, outside of the jewish community now there are some there's some struggle going back and forth in those scriptures that whether really was he called to the whole world or was he not? And so we find that this, this particular celebration in the calendar is really sort of our understanding that say, yes, Jesus was called to the whole world. Jesus is, I, I think it helps us understand our mission, even our mission to say, uh, or Christ's mission to the whole world is that we are called into the world to make a difference in the world. And so I think that's really where... Um, Sort of how it evolved, at least for my understanding. So,
0: so epiphany in a way could kind of stand for the the difference of being self centered to other centered, or oh, absolutely inward looking to outward looking.
1: That's a, okay. A great example, yes.
0: Okay. Well, that that helps I us kind think. of get a frame on on what we what we're talking about here. So, when when does um, when does the epiphany occur?
1: So. <laughs> Epiphany happens on January 6th, and it's always on January 6th. It's the 12th day, it, it, depending on how you want to count it exactly, but it's the 12th day of Christmas, if you will. So it's sort of that, that period immediately, well, I say immediately, but following Christmas in which um, that celebration occurs. And I think that's why we think of uh, going back to the crash and having the shepherds and everybody there. So it, it seems to be in proximity to Christmas. Uh, we know from the scripture, there's actually a longer period of time, but that's when it falls on the, on the day. So, so it's, a, it's Epiphany itself. The day is January 6th. Now it is actually a season though, or a sort of a season within the liturgical calendar, because there's actually seven Sundays following Epiphany where the stories are sort of unfolding after Epiphany. So it takes the, the idea of light coming to the world, that revelation of, of what God is doing in Jesus Christ, and then moving it from not only the light, if we think of the star and the, the three wise men and that whole story. <laughs> But the idea that it's moving us into discipleship, so there's a series of, of Sundays there where we can live into that practice of saying, okay, I received the light, I understand, I have increasing knowledge and understanding, now what am I going to do about it? What, how am I going to live it out? So that's what, this for me, at least the seven, seven Sundays following Epiphany is sort of that, that minor season, if you will, in the liturgical calendar.
0: So it's always January 6th, and if listeners caught that, you said it's the 12th day after Christmas. Now, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that Christmas is is not a day in the Christian calendar. It's a right. season, right. Yep. and it does last 12 days, hence the song that we've all uh, sung at different right. times in our lives. And so there there is this kind of period that is symbolic of the three wise men weren't there on the day Jesus was born. They traveled there. There was a period right. of, of coming to that um, experience of revelation. Right. And and a lot of the Christian calendar gives us time to journey through and become. And so I appreciate your, your um, calling our attention to that. So... so- You've talked a little bit about the, the Gospels and the stories of Jesus, so let's talk a bit more about the scriptural foundations for Epiphany. Are there some central scriptures that would be foundational to how we would understand it, or how the early church understood it?
1: Well, uh, yes, and it's primarily, the, the primary scripture for this story, or this uh, the celebration of Epiphany, comes from Matthew 2, verse 1 through 12. And it's really the only the only one of the four canonical gospels to mention the magi. So so you know there that's where the story unfolds. And mm-hmm. you men- you mentioned the three wise men. Ironically, it never mentions that there's three wise men.
0: <laughs> that's true. Uh,
1: which which I know th- th- this could raise some controversy for our listeners because it's like wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. There's three wise men. Well, there's wise men and, and then there's three gifts that they bring, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so it was always assumed, and of course, the the creches sitting around our our Christmas decorations would show that, you know, there are three wise men and they each have a gift. But there are some Christian traditions uh, that would say that there were as many as 12 wise men that came and Uh had three gifts. So so there's a little bit of a different story there. But it's found in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And, of course, there are some things that – that tie into that. For instance, uh, Psalm seventy-two eleven says, "May all the kings fall down before him." So mm. we get some of those traditions coming out of um, the older scriptures that would refer to things, and and you know people would look back and say, "Okay, this is this is what this is talking about." So so at the birth of Jesus, may all the kings fall down before him. So it sort of makes the connection between the wise men and the we three kings. If you will, so yeah.
0: probably not the most scripturally sound connections, but nonetheless, we tend to, we tend yeah. to do that, don't they we? When we look back at scripture, so Matthew kind of gives us that story of of the Magi. Some people don't realize that that story is not in Luke, which is our traditional uh, story exactly. that we have yeah. Jesus's yeah. birth, and so we know it's there uh, scripturally, but. Theologically, what does Epiphany have to say to us? I mean, what, what does it tell us about the nature of God and, and how we interact with the divine?
1: Uh, so, I believe uh, Epiphany sort of calls us to pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, sort of helping us see with new eyes. I don't know if this is exactly where you're going, but it's at work in, a, in our world through Christ's mission. We are to proclaim how we see God at work. And I believe this is what we're called to, to do and to ask questions rather than make assumptions about what we observe. If we ask questions and seek understanding, we gain a fuller understanding of how others interactions are connected to us both personally and collectively with the church. So, so I, I believe that's what the, um, the Magi did. We don't really know how the spirit prompted them, but they came to follow us far and knowing Jesus was born King of the Jews, they asked the questions like, where is the child? And even Herod asked the questions, trying to get additional information that I think for less than good purposes, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so um, so anyway, I think that sort of draws us into those um, listening to the Holy Spirit and responding in ways that we're called to do.
0: So I would hazard a guess, that, that that kind of concept of the idea of um, following the Spirit's prompting, journeying with the Spirit, being, opening, questioning, those aren't the traditional things that we associate with the story of the birth of Jesus and and the Magi. And yet, when you really start to process it, that the way you articulated it, that's what's happening. There's this model that it's okay to not know exactly where you're going and it's okay to question and it's it's okay to journey on and just kind of trusting that god is there with you mm-hmm. and and processing that and and those are those are really enlightening or revelatory kinds of understandings so um those are some new thoughts about epiphany that i haven't processed before and and I will be thinking about this year as we move through both January 6th and the Sundays after. So, with that in mind, that this revelatory nature of Epiphany is beyond just simply revealing who Jesus is or how Jesus is in the world, but it affects us. What kind of, um, what? what l- let me put it this way, in what ways would observing Epiphany and however we choose to do that, maybe there's spiritual practices or some other mm-hmm. things we could do. How would that contribute to our ongoing spiritual formation yeah, as so, disciples?
1: So I, I think there's a couple of practices that come to mind. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I have a bias. I, I have sort of fallen in love with dwelling in the word. So I, 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 I would say, just by spending time in the scriptures and and asking the Holy Spirit, asking God to move uh, through us and help us understand in with new insight, Scripture. I think dwelling in the Word provides that opportunity, and um, you know, in in our practices here at Graceland, we use dwelling in the Word a lot because I think it it allows especially in small groups, it, it, tremendous conversations if we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. So I think from that, um, that that sort of encourages us to have open minds, open hearts, and, and move in new directions that we might not perceive before. So I think that echoes the sort of the, at least for me, the understanding of epiphany. But but there's another one that um, we have practiced, and I've seen it. I've done this before, but if if you're looking in some of the um, spiritual practices the church has, for instance, out on missionalleaders.org. It's called Walking the Neighborhood. And I think that that experience would be somewhat similar in that you, whatever your neighborhood is, and it, it, that's a bit challenging trying to translate that to Graceland campus, but but I've encouraged the students from time to time, and we actually have done this where they walk the campus with new eyes, trying to imagine what God is doing with the people they encounter, or what is God doing in that place where they see, many times they know the students already, but maybe they're not well connected to them or connected to them as well as they could. So, is there a way to walk the neighborhood and experience that and sense God's encounter with whoever they encounter? So, and I think for me, the reason I I went to walking uh, the neighborhood is the journey that the wise men take related to epiphany, you know, they go on this journey. And I think if we, if we actually dissect that scripture a little bit, we come to some additional understandings that, you know, have to do with being led by the Holy spirit. So I think Mm -hmm. walking the neighborhood is, um, you know, maybe, maybe the practice, I guess, if I could say so.
0: So the, the website where folks could find that was, and we'll say it again, missionalleaders.org. And there are multiple uh, missional practices or spiritual practices to be found there. And for Dwelling in the Word is there as well. And it's also on the Community of Christ website, seaofchrist.org. Under Spiritual Practices, you can find the instructions for Dwelling in the Word if folks are interested in looking at some of those. So we're approaching, we're in Advent right now as we are recording, and people will hear this episode for this coming uh, Epiphany. And my immediate thought is how can we observe Epiphany this year so that it will impact us in affirming, life affirming, and life giving ways? in our in our daily life and in the lives of those that we encounter this epiphany, how can how can we do that this year?
1: So when I unpack, especially the, the Matthew story and think about it, I, I think it, it, it reminds me that as a disciple or as disciples, we're just we're not just called for each other, but for the world. And so while that can sound a bit overwhelming, I think God calls us to do it. In fact, I have to give credit for this. I, I heard the words in Frozen 2, so <laughs> the movie. Just just do the next right thing. I mean, and mm. that's a, a phrase that's out of that, and and that can sound a little simplistic, I suppose, but I think that's what God calls us to do, the, the next right thing, and so when I look at, at the, the, the Magi, uh, you know, there's some important lessons that I think we can take from this, like don't travel alone. I mean, I, I don't know how far all three or 12 of them came, but, you know, travel together. Travel when you have wisdom. There's, If you unpack that a little bit, it, it didn't say that they just picked up stuff and headed out. You know, they, they sought wisdom before they left. Listen to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Now, that's a little bit reading into the scripture, I think, but I think we would understand that. Do what you've been called to do. Discern information along the journey that will help you. And finally, go home a new way, which I think is a fascinating thing. Now, again, if if you're familiar with the the Matthew story, you know they are sort of forced, well, forced to go a different way home just for their safety's sake. But but I think that's good advice. And um, not to oversimplify it, but I think these are all good instructions for how we might live out our journey as disciples and so, as we move into um, move into the season of epiphany, I think that's maybe we could look at this scripture and say, "Okay, what is this really calling us to do, and how do we live out as disciples and uh, just read into it or read out of it, I guess more importantly, uh, just some simple instructions for how we are called to live so
0: well, for a group of people that has named Uh, claimed the name Community of Christ, the whole idea of journeying together in community and not assuming that we have to do everything alone is a beautiful takeaway um, from Epiphany for this year. Do you have any uh, additional thoughts about Epiphany or anything else that might be uh, important for us to know as we Kind of wrap up our discussion on epiphany today uh,
1: well, I, I you know for me, being at Graceland, I think uh, I think it's incredible that epiphany well, let me see how do I want to say this the The first day of class of our spring semester in twenty twenty falls on epiphany, so I think it's it's sort of ironic <laughs> that it would do that because it again. You know do students have new ways of seeing do they have new ways of understanding and of course the first day of class first day back on well it wouldn't be the first day on campus but that would be the sunday but still that first day feels like i don't know um you know exciting and new and those kinds of things so i think it's it's really appropriate we're going to we're going to have a a celebration that night on epiphany here on campus so it, it works. And and we've worked with other Christian groups and cultural groups. We've actually done some practices this way. We have collaborated with Catholics on campus to celebrate Three Kings Day, Three Kings Day, which is also another name for epiphany. And again, it's um, sort of an exciting time to be new on, back on campus and with new classes and new friends and and those kinds of things. So I think it's really a sort of a cool coincidence that that's what we'll be doing. So, um, And I think the whole Advent Christmas epiphany thing is about celebrating the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ to set humanity on a new course. So I I think coming out of the rush of holidays and Christmas break, or at least for the students, you know, sometimes we overlook the sacred nature of time, of remembering, of slowing down. And I, I hope that um, that day that we choose to celebrate as epiphany can be sort of a, sort of a moment in time where we can stop and catch our breath even at the beginning of the semester and say, "You know, let's think about what just has happened and how we can be changed moving forward and doing things differently." So
0: Well, thank you, uh, Mike, for that not just uh, your wise words and the quoting of Scripture, but, I mean, to quote Frozen 2 in the midst of it, I'm (laughs) impressed. (laughs) But I thank you very much, and I would like our listeners to know, if you would like to know more about campus ministry or religious life at Graceland University, you can contact uh, Mike at mhoffman at graceland.edu. Or you can go on the Community of Christ website under Affiliate Organizations and find the Graceland uh, website there. So thanks so much, Mike Hoffman, for sharing with us today. We're hoping to have you back again soon with another episode. And we'll look forward to visiting with you then. So to all of our listeners, have a wonderful Epiphany season and uh, look for that star. I'm Karen Peter with Mike Hoffman. This is Common Grounds, part of the Project Zion podcast. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to Project Zion podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines.